Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. The goal of this series, Wind and Fire, really has been to, uh, to strip away for some of us the fear and anxiety that comes when we talk about the Holy Spirit. For some of us, it was the church we grew up in. Maybe it was just, it, had, it was unrestrained and just kind of wild. And you were thinking, man, that nothing is in order here. This is just chaos. Well, we want you to know that like God isn't a God of chaos. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, so the Holy Spirit doesn't come to cause chaos, uh, but he does bring the presence of God, which does mix things up sometimes. Like it's not chaos, it's order, but it might not be order like you want order. So just understand that God is in control. Others of us, we grew up in a church where they were like anti-Holy Spirit. We don't want him. We don't, we don't want to talk about him. Uh, if everybody can just sit there and be quiet, we'll, 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 we'll check in at 10, we'll check out at 11.05 and we'll be done. And, and so we don't want that. And, and uh, if that's you, uh, what, what our heart has been during this series is, hey, there's so much more to God than just punching the clock, man. Like, he is, he is alive and moving, and he wants to have relationship with you, and he wants to empower you and fill you and transform you with his spirit. I, I was thinking this week, like, think about this, okay? If God, and that's a real weird way to kind of start the sentence, but if God is supernatural, if God is God, right? Like, to be God, you gotta be God, right? Like no limits. You're not confined to human, uh, to the human being uh, capacity for life. You're God, right? So if God is God, if God is supernatural, shouldn't we see that reflected in his church? If God is is beyond reason because he's supernatural. He's God. He's, he exists beyond our logic. Amen. If he is God, shouldn't we see that at least from time to time reflected when his people gather together to worship him? We should see his character reflected in our worship experiences. And so that's why we're doing this series, Wind and Fire, uh, because we believe that uh, we, we believe that this is a, this is a church-changing series, that we're going to look back and say, man, we started, we started experiencing things we never saw before, and it started in that series when we really just said, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go after this. Whatever God's got for us, we're going to chase after it, because we believe, like, not only do we need it as a church, but our community needs the Holy Spirit to live life. And so we've been positioned here in Hampton Roads with a mission and a purpose that's bigger than us, and we need a power that's bigger than us. And so today, to wrap up the series, uh, I told you, I think the very first week, we're going to do a whole week on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I want to do today. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to kind of uh, come across more teaching, but maybe I'll get fired up here and there. But, um, but the gifts... here. One of the things you've got to understand, the, the gifts of the Spirit are not like the fruit of the Spirit. And it's like, just look at the words that are used. Fruit is something that is cultivated, grown. It's an organic kind of thing. Uh, it's it, it, it's uh, nurtured. You can nurture fruit, right? Gifts are given. They're just given, right? So they're different 
they're different uh, things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. So what are spiritual gifts? Here, here we go. If you're a note taker, you're going to love today. you got a lot of stuff. Like You guys go ahead and do some hand exercises because there's a lot for you to, to write down. Uh, if you're just a, somebody that says, I want to soak it in, that's cool. Uh, what are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are supernatural empowerments given by the Holy Spirit to believers Okay, supernatural empowerments, meaning they are beyond the natural realm, beyond our natural abilities. So spiritual gifts are not talents, and they're not abilities that we have. Okay, they are supernatural empowerments given, and this is important, by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that here in a second. To believers, well, why does he give them? Here it is. Here's the purpose. So they can do the work of Christ. And extend the kingdom of God in the world. In other words, spiritual gifts are given to strengthen and build up the church. They are not given to strengthen and build up someone's individual ministry. So important. Spiritual gifts are not meant to build your kingdom. They're not meant to put you on a platform or a pedestal. They're not meant for people to look up and worship you. They're meant to build the church so the church can extend the kingdom of God in the world. Really, when, when Paul, in the passage we're going to look at today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he talks about spiritual gifts, um, the word there for gifts is, is the word, um, uh, the, really the better translation it's really just spirituals. It's not even gifts. It's just spirituals. But I think the better way to understand what are spiritual gifts is even to change the vernacular of gift and really talk about it like tools, like spiritual tools. There are tools that God will put in your hand to do the thing that he's called you to do. Uh, about 11 months ago, 12 months ago, actually 12 months ago this week, um, we had an incident in our house that caused us to uh, begin a remodel before we had planned to remodel our downstairs. Uh, we went on a trip uh, on the 4th of July. We came back and we had a massive leak under our kitchen sink that went all like all through the kitchen into the room on the other side of the kitchen. Those of you who've been to our house, you've seen like we still have holes in the drywall and we don't have baseboards around yet because we got a month into it and was like, this is a lot of work and we need to slow down. So we took 10 months off. Hopefully we'll get started back again. But, um, but I remember, I don't know which kid said this. I can't, I don't remember, but you know, if you're doing that kind of work, uh, you just got tools everywhere. Like, they're just scattered all over the floor, right? Like, it's just, I, for me, it's like, I don't have a box. I, I, got, I got a tool-like thing, but I don't put them back in there. I just, like, lay them on the table, you know? What's that? That's empty, you know? And so, I remember one of my kids said, like, they came in, and they saw all the tools. I said, man, that's a lot of tools. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're right. And, and I was like, to do the job that we have to do, we got to have a lot of tools. Because we can't do everything with a screwdriver and hammer. And, and, and check this out. Like, God knows that. God has given us, his church, a mission, a purpose, a job to do. And in order for us to get the job done, and in order for us to get the job done right, to accomplish all that God has for us as a church, it's going to take a lot of tools. And here's the thing, here, here, we all need the tools. See, for God, for God to do what God wants to do in and through our church, me 
Pastor Hope, Merita, like we can't be the only people who wield tools. And that's, here's the crazy thing. That's not even how God purposed it. We're going to see that in the passage we look at. God doesn't want his community just to have a couple of craftsmen and a bunch of spectators. He wants, he wants everybody to be equipped with a tool to run the race that he's given us. And the New Testament talks about spiritual gifts or spiritual tools several times. It's not like this is one little passage that we just ripped out of context and said, this is something we need to... No, no, all throughout, like they're everywhere. Jesus... Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, in the, in the Gospels, they don't call them that. But when it says that the, the, the Holy Spirit was present to heal, or Jesus, Jesus went in the power of the Spirit, that's what it's talking about. When it, says, when it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, that's what it's talking about. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, so he operated not as the Son of God, I'm divine and you're a human and I can do things that you can, can't do. No, 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 I'm going to step out. I, I'm, he never stopped being God, but I'm not going to, to do this because I'm God. I'm going to do this as a human empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see in the Gospels. And so Jesus operated in this. And if you want to like do study on your own, uh, check out Romans chapter 12. Paul talks about uh, the gifts of the Spirit there. 1 Corinthians 12, which we're going to look at today. 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about prophecy and tongues and how those work together. Ephesians 4 are the ministerial gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, those kinds of things. Paul talks about them there. 1 Peter talks about how God gives gifts, a variety of gifts to people in 1 Peter chapter 4. And so I wish we could unpack all of those and just hang out and have a big seminar on the spiritual gifts and, and be here all day. We can't. So, or we could, but you probably, maybe you want to, and let's just do it. All right. First Corinthians chapter 12. These are what a lot of people call the manifestational, and you'll see why here in a second, the manifestational gifts. So first Corinthians chapter 12, verse one, look at this. Now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be, and look at this word, uninformed. Paul says, Paul says, hey, listen about the tools of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed about that. And yet, so many of us grew up in churches that never touched this stuff. So what were we? We were uninformed. And check it out. There's a verse in the Bible that says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uh, some translations will say ignorant, but it doesn't mean stupid. It means unlearned, like nobody's ever taught us. For many of us, nobody's ever actually broken this down and taught us this stuff. For some of us, we was like, no, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. Paul says, no, 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 it's not wrong. Just don't be uninformed. This stuff isn't wrong. Just don't be uninformed about what the Holy Spirit is doing in your church right now. Because the Corinthians, there's this whole correspondence that takes place between Paul and the Corinthians church. 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter that Paul sent. But we don't have the first one because I think God was like, Paul, you got to get better at writing before we put that in the Bible. And so this is a response. This is Paul saying, you remember that letter you sent back to me in correspondence? Uh, you asked me to teach you about the, the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so here we go. Now about your question regarding the gifts of the Spirit. 
Let me, let me teach you some stuff. He says, he says the gifts of the Spirit, and that word there is pneumaticos, which again, it just means spiritual or, or spiritual things. Um, pneuma meaning breath or wind. Think about this. Uh, those of you who are handy men, women, like you, get, you like tools and stuff, a pneumatic drill is a drill that's powered by air, right? Like it's powered by air. So pneumatic gifts, this is how we could put this, okay? Here's what Paul is saying. Brothers and sisters, now about those things that are powered by the breath of God. We put it that way and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm in. Like I want, brothers and sisters, about those tools that only work if you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe in you. That's kind of a different thing. Like, oh, wait a second. You just called them gifts of the Spirit. And I'm like, eh, but wait a minute. When you're talking about tools that work when the Holy Spirit breathes, like a pneumatic drill, okay, I'm in. So Paul is about to list in, the, in these verses nine of these, again, manifestational gifts. And that word will always come up spelled wrong if you type it into your computer. Uh, so you just got to say, no, this is right. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Um, and here's why we call them manifestational. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation, that's why they're called manifestational, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, again, look at this. Paul says to each one. Let me ask you this question. This is, you don't have to be a, a Greek scholar to get 100% on this pop quiz. Are you an each? You're an each. We're all eaches here. I don't know if that's like a curse word or what, but <laughs> pastor just cursed in church. We're all eaches. Every one of us, we're an each one. So he's talking to us. He says, hey, to, to each one of you, there is a manifestation of the Spirit that's given. Well, why is it given? For the common good. For the benefit and the advancement of the church so that the ministry of the church can go forward, not so that your kingdom can be built and everybody can get around you and say, you're so awesome. No, no, no. He's, he's like, no, no, this is the common good. And, and then if we jump down, so verses 8, 9, and 10, he lists those nine gifts. And we're going to kind of unpack those one at a time. But then in verse 11, again, he says this. He says, all these, all these gifts that I just mentioned, and it's not an exhaustive list. He wasn't trying to list them all. He names other ones in Romans 12. All these are the work of one in the same spirit, and this is so key, and he distributes them to each one just as he, the Holy Spirit, determines. So sometimes people will say, check this out, let me give you some pastoral wisdom here. Some people will say, well, what gift of the Spirit do you have? I have no gift of the Spirit. Those are all his. I don't have a gift. There are times when he distributes them, when he determines to me. There are times when he puts the tool in my hand and he says, son, use the tool. When I'm finished with the tool, it's his again. I don't have them. They are not my ownership. They are his. And he distributes them and he determines when they are, are utilized for the purpose that he's determined. And so the cool part is when that's the case, you can minister in any gift when he sees fit. 
So you're not limited to like, well, I can only do this. No, no, no. It's his determination. It's his decision. So uh, let's unpack these. Scholars will divide them a lot of times into three groups, and that's what we're going to do. These are verses 8, 9, and 10. I'm not going to read the verses. I'm just going to list the, the gift that Paul talks about or the tool Paul, tall, the tool Paul talks about. So the first group we're going to call the discerning gifts the discerning gifts. That's wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits, okay? So the first one is the word of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? It's a discerning gift, and here's what it means. To know something without something specific without having learned it by natural means. To know something specific without having learned it by natural means. We see this in John chapter 4 in the life of Jesus, Jesus, for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, in John chapter 4, Jesus is tired, so he takes a break by the well. His disciples go find food, and this woman comes up in the middle of the day, and Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And in this conversation, Jesus says, hey, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, what you've said is right. You don't have a husband. You've had five, and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. What is that? Jesus just, just used a word of knowledge. It's a specific, it's something specific that Jesus knew without learning it by natural means. Nowhere in the conversation does she say, hey, Jesus, here's my life history. He knew it, not because he's God, but because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He had a word of knowledge for her. And from time to time, I experienced this. From time to time, some of you have experienced this, right? Like it's, for me, a lot of times it'll happen if I'm praying for somebody and I'll just be praying and, and like just minding my own business, praying, you know, whatever they came for prayer and Lord bless them and help them and do what they've asked you to do. And then all of a sudden, there'll just be this word that like comes into my mind and my heart and it's like, I, the Lord just wants to speak right now restoration over your life. I don't know what that means to you, but there's some stuff that he wants to restore. Does that, does that connect? And then it's like, yes, yeah. Or sometimes it's like, sometimes even from preaching, like you'll see it. And sometimes, some of you have kind of gotten good at kind of recognizing it. Like I get a different look on my face. It's like, wait a second. Right now the Lord is telling somebody, and I'll just like lay it out there. Like this is just kind of what I feel like the Lord is saying. Some of you are struggling in this part of this area of your life. And what is that? That's a word of knowledge. And it's, it comes so that the church is built up. And it comes to serve others and bring God glory. Okay, number two in the discerning gifts is the word of wisdom. Different than the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom is to know the right thing to do in a given situation. To know the right thing to do. And, and sometimes like... Pastor Hope and I, we get the opportunity from time to time to like sit down with married couples who are struggling, or maybe I'll like go to coffee with a guy. And typically, if like I'm not, if you invite me to coffee, I'm pretty much going to assume that your marriage is on the rocks because nine times out of ten, that's what comes out, okay? And so uh, I'll be sitting there, and they'll just be kind of sharing, unloading, and and I'll be honest, like I'm sitting there going, Lord, I have no idea what to tell them to do. I got nothing, Lord, I need right now, God, I need wisdom for this situation. And, and so often, it doesn't happen every time because I can't control it. Uh, it's, it's when the Holy Spirit brings it out. From time to time in the flow of conversation, something will drop and it's a word of wisdom. And for me personally, I'm like, whoa, that was good. Where did that come from? Where did it come It came from the Holy Spirit. 
It was a word of wisdom. Here's the right thing to do in this given situation. And what's cool is so many of you have experienced this, and you maybe didn't even know what to call it. It's like, it's, it's, and you'll say, I knew exactly what they needed to do right then. And I shared it, and it clicked. And they did it, and their life was changed. What was that? that was a, that's a tool that the Spirit will give us to build each other up, to serve others so that God gets the glory, so that the church advances forward in the mission. Number three in this discerning uh, group is the discerning of spirits. And that's to distinguish whether the source of something is from God, Satan, or human power. And we've said it over and over, we do not live in a spiritually neutral world. Our world is spiritually charged. There's stuff happening behind the scenes that we don't see. And at any given moment, there are times where evil spirits are impacting and influencing what is happening. And this is a tool where God will open our eyes so that we can see that we do not wage war against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and evil force of wickedness in high places. That's, all, that's what this is. Would it be okay for you if the Lord, if, if, if the Holy Spirit revealed to you an evil spirit that was coming against your marriage? Well, why would he do that? So you could pray against it. So that you knew what you were facing. So that you knew how to get on your knees and take it before the Lord. Would it be okay for you if the, if, if the Holy Spirit revealed to you um, an evil force that had been assigned to your kid? to distract and to destroy the work of God in his or her life. Would, would that be okay? Like, hey, you need to be aware this is happening so you can, you can take your role as a parent, as an authority of God in their life and stand against that thing. Would you, would, would you be okay if he did that in your career? Hey, this is, you got this business transaction and there are forces behind here you don't need to have anything to do with. You need to walk away. And so you say, yes, Lord. Or, hey, this is me. I'm working this out. It doesn't look like it makes sense, but you need to take this step. Would you be okay with that? I would be okay with that. Like, I'm in, Lord. Reveal to me what's happening. Now, let me pause here and just kind of work this out. A lot of people will call this the gift of discernment. And I want to let you know there is no gift of discernment in the Bible. It doesn't exist. Most of the time, the people that tell you have the gift of discern, I have the gift of discernment. No, you have the gift of criticism. Amen or ouch, laugh it off, nobody thinks I'm talking to you. That's, some of us are like, we just want to tag, well, no, I've got this critical, sarcastic, arrogant spirit, and I'm just going to tag it with the gift of discernment. No, you have a bad attitude that needs to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not the gift of discernment, because the gift of discernment doesn't exist. The gift of discerning spirits, that's what Paul's talking about. All right, let's just... Move on. All right. The declarative gifts, the second group of gifts, uh, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Let's unpack that. Prophecy. Uh, prophecy is to speak forth the message of God to his people. And I love what Dr. Alexander said last week. It's not primarily predicting the future. It, that might happen, but that's not like the heart of prophecy. The heart of prophecy is bold speech. Bold speech from God, a message of God to his people. It's not fortune telling. We're not pulling out cards trying to read the future. That's not prophecy. It's not Nostradamus staring into a globe. That's not prophecy. That's not the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is speaking forth the message of God to his people. And in a New Testament context, like 
in the New Testament context, I can put it this way. It will always be about strengthening, encouraging, and comforting the church and the people of God. It, it might include challenge, okay? It's not, not meant to like just gloss over and like, nothing's wrong with you. No, it might point out some error, but it will always be a message of hope. In the New Testament context, prophecy is always a message of hope, and it can include correction, but it includes correction in the, in the context of no love challenge. You, you're known, you're loved by God, so now let me challenge you in this area of your life with this word of prophecy. But it's always, always, always full of hope. And so many times we, again, this is one of those things that people just tag onto the end of, thus saith the Lord, it's a prophetic word. Well, let's just put it to the test. Does it strengthen, encourage, and comfort the church and the people of God? Yes, then cool. No, well, then we need to step back and say, that doesn't look like Jesus, so we need to examine it some more. I'm not saying it's, you're wrong. I'm not just writing you off. I'm just saying we need, to, we need to pause and take a look at it and really ask ourselves what's happening here. The, the, the second two, uh, the message in tongues and interpretation, I'm going to try to talk about these together because they are connected. At least all of my experiences of these two have been connected. A message in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Let me kind of define them both for you. A message in tongues is a message, again, from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. A couple of weeks ago, week two of the series, did a whole, whole week on the grace of tongues. Okay, this is different. The grace of tongues is the, again, to, if, to catch you up, the grace of tongues is that tongue to God. It's our praise, our worship, our prayer to God. The gift that Paul's talking about is a message from God. That's a big difference. To and from is a big, a big difference. If you want more information about the, the grace, that what we talk about when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues, unknown languages, Acts chapter 2, all that, rewind, week two, it's called spooky, kooky, and weird, and we unpack all of that. This is different. This is when God breaks into the worship gathering and speaks directly to his people. And it's a beautiful thing. And what's cool is in the Corinthian church, this was happening a lot. So in that letter, chapter 14, Paul says, hey, man, I think it's so cool that you're operating in the gift of tongues so much. Uh, let me give you some guidelines on how to do that. Now, what's interesting is guidelines do not mean this is prohibited no, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, we're going to drive on the road. Well, we probably should stay between the lines. Lines on the highway do not mean don't drive on the road. It means stay in your lane. Instructions about how to operate in the gift of a message in tongues do not mean that's not true, good for the church. It means stay in your lane. Understand the purpose and point of this. And so a message in tongues is, is so, I've always seen it, and even Scripture talks about it, being connected to the interpretation of tongues, which is a different gift, which is the expressing, which is expressing the thought or intent of the message in tongues. And here's something that's just really helped me a lot. Um, it's the interpretation, not the translation. And that's just really helped me. Because I struggle with, like, we haven't, we haven't had this gift pop up that much in our church, even if at all, if I can remember, over the last 10 years. Um, and one, I think one of those reasons is because I have a real fear that if, if that happens, well, Lord, am I going to be able to interpret that? Am I going to operate in that gift? Because every church I grew up in, typically the person with the microphone oftentimes had the, the gift of interpretation, and they interpret it. 
kind of practically because everybody could hear them because they had the microphone. And I've often wondered, God, do I have that access to that gift? I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong. And so many of us, that's our fear. And that's the wall that is between us and what the Spirit wants to do in our life is a fear that we're going to mess it up. And it helped me so much when, when just a pastor said, hey, this is the interpretation, not the translation. Well, what's the difference? Interpretation is expressing the thought or intent, not word for word. This is not a word-for-word translation. I don't even know if that's possible, but, but this is the interpretation. And again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says this happens in the context of a gathering of believers. So if you have some unbelievers there, they're going to think you're crazy. So this typically happens in just a gathering of believers. People are all in the same mind, same thought pattern, same, same spirit, and somebody gives out a message, and then somebody else interprets it. Interprets it, and, and, and it's so cool and so beautiful and so powerful. And I just want to pause right here and, and let you know that my life completely changed when this gift was exercised in a worship gathering that I was in. Literally every, I would not, I wouldn't be a pastor if this didn't happen in the chapel service. This is my first chapel service when I went to seminary. When I went to seminary, a lot of you don't know this, uh, I started seminary with an emphasis in counseling. I had full intention of getting my master's degree with a focus in counseling so that I could go on to be a counselor and work like as a psychologist and, and help people in that regard. That was my, my direction. That's the way I was going. Uh, fully planned on having my own like firm and, and doing that. And, and then the first chapel service, man, we're sitting there, and I'm just sitting in my seat, and it was such a powerful move of the Holy Spirit uh, that day, and, and we're all just kind of quiet. And this message in tongues came out, and then we're waiting on the interpretation. And uh, the, the interpretation, it was such a powerful moment in my life. I included it later in my master's thesis, the interpretation, because it was such a pivotal moment. And I want to share that with you. This is the interpretation that came out that day that, for me, completely wrecked my life and turned me in a different direction. Check this out. This is what the Lord spoke that day. He said, are these words pleasant to you? They should not be, for I speak to you this day, and I pierce you, and I call you to weep before me. I will call you, I will place you, I will lead you. And i got to let you know, like, I'm going to finish this, but as soon as this was done, like, I jumped out of my chair and made a beeline for the altar and face-planted and for, like, 30 minutes bawled my eyes out because that, that was me. I w- I don't, I'm sure it impacted other people, but I, my heart was pierced and I wept before him. Uh, he said, I will give you strength if you humble, if you will humble yourself before me. I will be strong in your weakness and you can resist the enemy. I will be light in the darkness and you can walk in righteousness. Call unto me and I will prove myself. And you, and this is, this is what he did, man. This is what I'm just telling. I can't explain your experience. I can only testify to mine, okay? This is what he said. He said, uh, call unto me and I will prove myself and you will reach your hands and you will see men and women and children delivered and healed. Call unto me this day for I, the Lord God, search throughout the earth for those who will seek my face. 
And that wrecked me, man, in the best possible way. I went down with a concentration in counseling. I got up and immediately changed my focus. Immediately, I was like, all right, the Lord's calling me to be a pastor to plant church, and, and I don't feel prepared for this, and I don't know really that. I, I thought I knew I would preach on the side. I thought I was going to be a counselor, but God's called me to this, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to change my concentration right now today. Let's go. Right? Like, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. But he, here's the thing. He broke into the worship gathering of, of believers, all of us in one mind, one, like we're all there. We're all in, in relationship with Jesus. And he spoke a word and he changed my life. And, and, and I'm here because of that gift. Because somebody released that gift and offered it to the church. Immediately changed the destiny of my life. And as that moment, I knew I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to plant a church. I'm supposed to be part of a church plant. I don't know when and where, but this is the direction the Lord's going to take my life because he's pierced me and, he, and, and he's called me, and I can't deny it. Number three, third group, the dynamic gifts. So we've got the discerning gifts. Uh, we've got the, uh, the, the declarative gifts, and we've got the dynamic gifts. And uh, this, this is faith, healings, and miracles. Uh, the gift of faith, supernatural impartation of belief and confidence in God for a specific situation that circumstances and obstacles do not shake. Don't we all have faith? Yes, we do all have faith. There is this common kind of grace faith that we all share in. But there will be times in your life where you will need the gift of faith, just a supernatural impartation of trust in God to do what he said he was going to do in order for you to believe the promise, to see it before it ever happens, and to step in obedience and faithfulness to what God is calling you to do. It's the gift of faith. And again, would it be okay if you were going through a difficulty in your life where the Holy Spirit comes along and says, I know in this season you're having a difficulty trusting God. Here's the tool of faith. Hold on to this faith and you'll have an unshakable confidence in the promises of God for your life. Would that be okay? I'd be okay with that. Lord, I need the gift of faith to step into the future. An unshakable confidence in his promises. Number two, the gift of the gifts of healings. This is plural. To be used as an instrument through which God makes people whole, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. This is Acts chapter 3, Peter and John. They're on their way to the temple to pray because it's the time for prayer. And they see a guy begging. He's lame. He can't walk. They, he looks at him and he says, hey, do you have any money? And, and Peter and John look at him and, and one translation says, Sil they, they look at him and say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And guess what the guy did? He got up. And he walked, and he went running through the temple, dancing and praising the Lord. Why? Because in that moment, the Holy Spirit saw it fit to equip Peter and John with the gifts of healings, and they spoke the word, and the man was restored physically to full health, divine health. Now, there's a negative connotation. I don't know if we should really talk a lot about healing because we don't want to get people's hopes up. Well, would you rather us talk about death? I don't want to talk about healing because what if they don't get healed? Not my job. Above my pay grade. God's territory. I've just been called to be faithful to pray for the sick that they would recover. And the gift of faith would raise them up. And so it's not, it's not 
my weight. It's not my cross to carry to heal people. That's the gift of healing. That's the Holy Spirit's. He owns that. I don't own it. I can't decide when you get healed. All I can decide is, will I be faithful to exercise my faith and pray for you that the Lord would heal you in that moment? So it's not a bad thing for people, for, for us to pray for people to be healed, even if they're not healed. What if they aren't healed? Again, it's God's territory. I love, and some of you heard me say, quote, make this quote over and over again. I love what John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Church, the whole movement of Vineyard Churches, I love what he said about healing. Check this out on the screen. He said, when we didn't pray, no one got healed. When we did pray, some did get healed and some did not. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> like, I'll take some people getting healed over nobody getting healed. Cool, let's do that. But I, then, then he said this. Check this out. This is cool. This is for those of us who are like, okay, okay. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray for somebody. Check what he said. He said, you can't learn how to heal the sick by reading a book or mastering a technique. You believe what Jesus promised, and then you get out and go do it. It's like, it's like, well, how do I, I don't really know how to heal somebody. Here's what I know. Jesus said to do it. We're going to be faithful and obedient to him, and we're going to trust him with the results. We're just going to go do it, right? Number, number three, number three in the dynamic gifts, the working of miracles. Again, this is plural. This is the divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. I like to call this the just-in-case gift, the etc. gift. As if Paul was saying, if there's something that comes up in your life that you don't have an answer for and we haven't already talked about, the working of miracles. Like, it just covers everything else, you know? It's like, okay, so cool, like awesome, awesome. How many of you, let me just ask this question. Just be honest. How many of you have experienced a miracle in your life? Would you just raise your hand? Look at that. Would you, my hand's up. It's a miracle. How would we ever believe God stopped doing miracles? It's all over the room. It's all over the room. He can't stop doing miracles because that's who he is. He can't deny his own character. It's like when God wants coffee, he just says, let there be coffee. And there's coffee. He does it every morning. Like miracles. That's who he is. And so, so, so we, Paul says the working of miracles, plural, which means there's more than one. More than one miracle. Meaning God's not done. He's still in the work, miracle working business. So in closing, just to kind of wrap up, how do, how do I know? Pastor Josh, man, it makes a lot of sense what you said. And I can see it in scripture and I don't know. I'm still kind of working it out. But how do I know? How do I operate in spiritual gifting? How do I operate in my spiritual gift? Again, it's not yours, it's his, so get that right. We all have, act, we have access to all of the gifts. And at various times, he will put them in our hand, but they belong to him. And the Holy Spirit can manifest, again, manifestational. He can manifest that gift through every one of us anytime that he wants to. So what can I do? Well, there... There are things called spiritual gifts tests, and they are helpful, okay? I'm not going to lie, tell you if you've taken one, you haven't sinned or something, like, you're fine. They're helpful. You can find one on your phone, like, in your app store, just search spiritual gifts test, and I know at least on the iPhone, there's an app for a spiritual gifts test, <laughs> and it's cool, but what I've discovered just in my own, in my own life, a lot of times those, thing me those things measure your natural talents or your proclivities, your, your personality or your preferences. Here's the best way to, to really kind of figure out what the, the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and how he wants to operate spiritual giftings. 
is to be part of a local body. It's to be part of a church. It's to be in alignment with the leadership of your church that believes in the manifestation of the spiritual gifting. Because, because uh, when you're there, then we can just start asking the question, hey, what's rising to the surface in your life? Because here's the deal. You don't have to advertise a gift. You don't have to go out and take out a page, uh, like an advertisement on Facebook. I've got the gift of prophecy. You don't have to do that. Proverbs says the gift will open the door for the person. That the gift will make room for you. And I want you to know in this house, we are fully, we fully believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the tools of the Holy Spirit. And as leaders, we believe it is our job, our mandate from God to be on the lookout to how we can equip and empower and encourage each one to operate in the gift the Holy Spirit determines. Here's what you got to do. Be in the community. Be known, loved, and challenged by your pastors, by your leaders, small group leaders, team leaders. Let them speak into your life. What's rising to the surface? And then there will come a time where you're going to have to step out in faith and obedience. I love what Pastor Bill Johnson says. He says, how do you get used by God? He says, number one, you cry out in private. Number two, you take risks in public. For some of you, here's your two-step process to, to, to be available to the Holy Spirit to use you in spiritual giftings. Some of you need to spend some time crying out in private. Some of you need to get alone with God and cry out to Him and let the Holy Spirit know, I'm available. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm available for you to use. My hands are open, Holy Spirit. Whatever tool you want to put in my hands, I will faithfully use as you determine and as you see fit. It's yours, not mine, and I'll use it to build the church. Some of us need to spend some time crying out in private to God, but then there are others of us, you've spent some time crying out to God, and now it's time for you to take some risks in public. It's time for you to speak that word of knowledge that the Lord has birthed in your heart. It's time for some of you to, to unleash that, that gift of healing that, that he has put in your hands and you've been nervous about. Listen, like I don't, I don't know all the time if like the Holy Spirit is present to heal, but I just assume he is, okay? And if he is, great. And if not, we were in line at Moe's one time. I was ordering the burritos for the family, talking to this guy, and he said he's there to pick up food because his wife is home suffering from migraines. I said, sir, I believe Jesus has the power to heal your wife. Do you mind if I pray for you? He looked at me like you're looking at me. Are you that crazy? Yes. I don't know if God healed his wife, but if I didn't pray, I know he wouldn't have. So I'm going to take the risk. Because, and, and, and sometimes I don't. And in that moment, I'm sitting, in that moment, I'm standing there. I'm like, uh, sour cream, you need to pray for that guy's wife. Hold on a second. Can I pray for your wife? I just feel like the Lord has told me right now to pray for her, that she would be healed of these migraines. She doesn't, have to, she doesn't have to suffer under that. The Lord wants to heal her as a testimony to his power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Can I pray for you right now? And he was like, yeah. And so I prayed for it. Some of you need to take risks. You need to take risks. And, and take the risk when you sense the Holy Spirit saying you need to do this. Just assume that he's present with you and just go for it. If it works, great. 
give God praise. If you come out on the other side and you're like, I have no idea what that was about, then you take it to the Lord in private. God, I tried to be faithful and I don't know what you're doing, but I need you. You see how that works? Cry out in private, take risks in public. You can only walk in power to the degree you've had an encounter with the powerful one. You can, deeper anointing comes from deeper encounter with the anointed one. So let's just do this this morning. I'm gonna invite everybody to stand up. And let's just take a moment to cry out to God. Let's just do that step. Let's get that under our belt. Right now, if that's you and you're, you're, you're a person that said, I'm wanting, I want to see what the Holy Spirit can do through my life. I want to be a vessel for him to use. My hands are open. Do this for me. Would you just, right there where you're at, would you just, if you have to lift them up because somebody's in front of you, however you got to do that. If, if that's you and you're like, I'm ready to be used by God in a spiritual gifting kind of way, would you just open your hands like that? Like, show them to the Holy Spirit, Lord, my hands are open. Holy Spirit, my hands are open. And just tell him that. My hands are open. My hands are open. Whatever gift, whatever tool you want to put in my hand for this season, for this circumstance, for this moment, I'll be faithful to use the tool for as long as you put it in my hand to be used. I want to be used by you, Holy Spirit. Come on, cry out to him. Let him know. Let him know. Let him know that whatever happens, you'll give him all the glory. Let him know that whatever happens, you're not in this to build your kingdom. You're not in this to build your popularity. You're in this so that lost sons and daughters can be brought into the family of God. You're in this so that those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are diseased can be restored to full life in Jesus. You're you're in this so that the church who needs to hear a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom can be be accelerated in in its path forward. You're about the advancement of the church, the extension of the kingdom. Let him know that. Let him know your heart. Lord, we give you permission right now in this church. Holy Spirit, anytime you see fit to drop a tool in our hand, we welcome that. We welcome that, Holy Spirit. We welcome that. Fear, Lord, let fear Let fear be silenced by the perfect love of Jesus. We give you permission. We release control. We open our hands. Whatever tool you want to put in our hands, in our grasp, we want to be faithful to use it while we have it. And as soon as you take it out, we release it. We don't don't grab, we don't try to hold on to it. No, no, no. That's not mine. That's yours. We come to you open-handed. And we don't come to you entitled as if we deserve a particular gift at a particular time. We want to be humble before you. We just want you, Jesus. We want you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you're doing something new and fresh in our church and our community. Lord, we want to be faithful. God, we don't want to be spooky, kooky, and weird. We, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a type. That's a, a stereotype. We, don't, we, ju- we just want to be obedient and faithful to what the Word says. 
the word says that you give to each one a manifestation for a particular time that you decide that. So we just want to be obedient and faithful. We want to look like the church that you saw when you looked forward. We want to look like the vertical church that you've purposed us to be. Full of life, full of grace, full of truth, full of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.